Let's pause and let's pray as we get started. Father, we are grateful for this morning and the time that we have here together, and and I pray that it would be an opportunity for us to be in an engaging conversation with you. Lord, that you would speak into our lives, into our souls, that you would give us insight, direction. Father, you would illuminate for us, Lord, what you are doing and desiring to do in each of our lives individually as well as with us as a community. I thank you for being able to be back here, Lord. It's good to be back, and I pray that you would really speak to all of us here this morning, that we would be changed because of time spent with you. And we do ask it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is good to be back here. As some of you know, I was down in Mexico, Baja, for the last 10 days. And first off, I want to send to Genesis a thank you from the people of Vizcaino. Uh, Laura, the pastor's wife down there, I actually saw her in La Paz and she says, I need to talk to you. Whenever someone says that to me, I get a little scared. You know, why do you need to talk to me? You know, I'd like, I'd like to talk to you. That I'm comfortable when someone needs to talk to me, I get a little anxious. But it was a good thing. She says, I need to talk to you. And she pulled me aside. The conference was going on and she said, when I found out that your team was not going to be cooking for us and doing the meals there in Vizcaino, I got very frightened. I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? Now I'm in charge of all this food. So I told all the uh, pastors and who come to the conference there that you weren't going to be, your team wasn't going to be providing the food. And they all stepped in and they said to me that they've been doing it for such a long time. We are so grateful. It's good for us to step in and tell them thank you. And so she wanted me to tell you thank you for the last five years, actually six years, providing food for that conference there in Vizcaino. It is a monumental task, and they saw it even more so as they stepped back into it. And it was great to see all these different churches step in and each take a meal and cook for the entire conference, and it went great. They did a great job, had some amazing fish tacos. There was beans with everything. Um, had some amazing menudo as well, and I'll, I'll talk about food more because I, I need to. It, it was amazing. But from the people in Vizcaino to the community of Genesis, thank you for the last six years of spending your time, our resources, and blessing them. They were so appreciative, and they wanted to make sure I told you, so I did. There it is, telling you that. And with that, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the trip, but I'm continuing, really, with our series, Complete. Remember, the few weeks back... Oh, by the way, wasn't Ricky amazing last week, Ricky Williams? What a great job. Some of the things he said that really stood out to me about, you know, doing those things that we would normally do in darkness in the light. What a transformational thought that the things that we would be ashamed of, that we would actually bring to light. That's how we change. And then those things that we normally would do in the light, those good things, the the things that we would want praise from actually doing those in secret. 
what a character change that could bring in all of us. Man, I was really touched hearing his talk. But anyway, a couple of weeks back, three weeks back, uh, we began this series called Complete. And we're talking about what does it mean to, to be complete, to be whole. And we started off in the passage where Jesus says that we should be perfect even as his Father in heaven is perfect. And the idea of perfection is one that intimidates us, but we saw that the word doesn't mean without flaw. What the word means is mature. It means grown up. It means to fulfill what God has created us to be, to be all that you could be. Isn't that an army slogan or something like that? But it's the idea that God has established in you things that need to come out and you need to fulfill those things. And how important that is. And then we, we saw a couple of weeks ago going through James that the way we get to that completeness, the way we get to that wholeness is oftentimes through difficulty. It is the hard times that shape our character. It is those difficult times that we grow and we'd like to be mature and we'd like to get there without the growing pains, but there's just no way around it. If you're going to be a person who is grown up and mature, you're going to have to learn some lessons and you usually have to go through some difficult things to go through those lessons. Some of us learn the hard way, and a school of hard knocks is how we learn, but we all have to learn those lessons even though they're difficult. And this morning I want to talk about what else it takes to have a full life, a complete life. And turn with me to John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4. If you need a copy of the Scriptures, raise your hand and someone can run one down to you. Um, or you should get it on your phone, a little app, the little U version. It's real handy, just saying. And it's free. So anyway, we're in John chapter 4. Keep your hand up and they'll get one to you. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading from John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptized more disciples than John, although in fact he was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. And here we see Samaria. And to give you a, a little history, Samaritans were people who were not completely Jew. They had mixed their race with a Gentile race. The Samaritans and Jew had 400 years of ethnical tension. I mean, Hatfield and McCoys had nothing on the Jews and the Samaritans, okay? You couldn't light a match compared to the tension that was involved between these two groups of people. So he needs to go through Samaritan. Many Jews would not go through Samaria. They would take twice as long to go around it just because they didn't want to even go through the city. That's how intense their hatred was for the Samaritan people. Verse 5 says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, so there's the heat of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And so we see the tension, but we also see something else taking place here. 
The middle of the day is not when you would normally go and dry, draw water. Usually you would go in the morning when it's cool or in the evening when it's cool. This is about a half mile from the town that she was in. So imagine going a half mile carrying a giant jar to go and get water from the well. You wouldn't want to do that in the heat of the day. But there she was. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water is fresh water. It's flowing water. It's water that will quench your thirst and that is good for you. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I just can imagine the sarcasm in her voice. The <laughs> living water. <laughs> Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring water, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming out here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, You've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Dang, just called it like it was, right? I mean, bam. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so immediately her, her conversation changes from one of just small talk to, I, I want to know more. If you're a prophet, I, I want to get some information from you. Woman, Jesus replied, verse 21, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. From, not for. There's a big, important word there. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. It's amazing that Jesus reveals that he is the Christ, the Messiah, to this Samaritan woman even before he does to his own disciples. Verse 27, Jesus then, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or, or why are you talking with her? They were surprised because the Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, let alone a Samaritan woman. Then leaving her water jar, I love that. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out, to the out of the town and made their way towards him. She left her water jar because she was coming back. She just wanted to go tell everyone, but she was heading back. Meanwhile, da -da -da -da, 
new scene. Meanwhile, he said, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Oh, no. Did he eat Samaritan food? Translation. Did did someone bring something for him to eat? What did he eat? Jesus goes on. He says, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefit of others. When I was in Baja, I ate a lot. Not just because I'm a glutton. Just is an important word there. But because I'm getting to eat food that I don't usually get to eat. Uh, Some of it just because it's there and it's so good there. Uh, Some of it also because right now the dollar is really doing well against the peso. It's 14 to 1. So you could go down there and we ate like a, a full meal for five people and it would cost the equivalent of 20 bucks. And it was good food. Okay, and so I'm going down there and I'm eating just all these great things. Also, you know, fish is really popular there and I can't eat fish all the time here because my wife is allergic to fish. So if she were to eat fish or even something that, you know, was touched by the fish, her lips swell up and look like mine and and her, her throat starts to close and it's just difficult for her. And so... I got to enjoy all the fish and the things that were there, and it was so good to eat. And then the whole, you know, it's like, okay, what's our next meal? What's our next meal? You know, and they had just the shrimp is so fresh there, and they cook it in every way possible. And with the carne asada and the salsa, it was just amazing. And then in Vizcaino, I had menudo that was just incredible. It was white menudo. I've never had white menudo. But really, all menudo starts off white, but then you put in the chili pepper, I found out, and they had some amazing chili pepper. It was pretty hot, and I put in a little too much, but it was good because I just kept adding more menudo. That way, it would kind of even out. So by the end of my third bowl, this is good. Okay, it's at the right, it's at the right temperature now. And so I just got to enjoy all this food. It was homemade, homemade tortillas. Oh, flour tortillas, just by the dozens, you know, there, I mean, it was just incredible, the food, and and there's something about food that just satisfies us. I I gained quite a bit of weight the last 10 days, and so I'm back to reality, okay, stop the carb overload now, and I'm trying to get back so I can go back there again in, (laughs) in February and in March, and still maintain some reasonable shape of a human. Uh, Being down there and eating and enjoying the food, it was so good, but there was something more that took place. As many of you know, 
In La Paz now, there is a group of young people who are starting a, a church. And we've been a part of that transition for them. We've been, you know, encouraging them. I've been encouraging them just in the things that God, I believe, has put on their heart. And so they left where they were at. They were at a church and they'd grown up at that church, but they just felt this desire to see more take place. And it wasn't going to take place where they were. And so they had to make a a difficult decision, and they left. And And I encouraged them that, you know, I, I think you made the right decision. And, and as they made this decision, I've been talking with them. I've been messaging them over Facebook. We do uh, chats on Skype usually once a month and talk to them about what's going on and things that are taking place. And so I was able to spend a, a full week with them. I got to stay at uh, one of the couple's house there in uh, La Paz, and it was a great house. It's also where they have their their meetings on Sunday mornings. And so it was really neat just spending time driving with them. You know, I I don't speak Spanish, but uh, Brenda, one of the people, does. And so she was able to translate. And then um, Nestor, the guy who's actually taking the position of the pastor, speaks English very well. He's a little shy and intimidated, but he speaks a great job, and he's just got an incredible mind and thoughts. Super talented guy. He's a graphic artist. He's a musician. He's just got everything going for him. And so he's a great person for the job. He he understands people really well. And the time I spent with them just meant so much to me. I was looking forward to it so much, and when I got there, I I really enjoyed that time and the conversations that we had and and encouraging them in what they're doing. And we are planning another work to take place in March. We're going to do something in coordination with us and also with Mosaic out in Hollywood, and it's going to be called a, a creativity tour. And I'm telling you about this because you're invited All we need to do is get there, but hey, the good news is planes fly to La Paz. Nothing flies to Vizcaino except flies, okay? But in La Paz, we're going to do, it's a full day event. It's called a creativity tour, and it's about 12 hours, and it's meant to be an outreach to the people who are their friends, people who they know, people who don't go to church, and the day consists of Activities. We're going to go bike riding, possibly kayaking, maybe hiking. And also it includes food. Okay. And the food is amazing. So we're going to stop and we're going to eat. And then we're going to bike ride so that we can eat some more. And then we're going to kayak so we can eat yet again. And it's just a day filled with not only activities and food, but also there are going to be these talks that David gives to try and engage their imagination because What he's really trying to do is get people to think and understand that God is the one who's been speaking to them their whole lives. You know, there's a reason Jesus said that we must come like little children. There is an openness that kids have. There is a a innocence that children have. There is a trust that children have that we start to lose as we get older. I don't know about you, but if I were to ask one of you, hey, anyone want to stand up and dance and sing right now? Some of you would be intimidated and say, no, no, I don't do that. And then some of you would. Um, And I don't know which is worse. But when you were a child, you had no problem. 
You'll see kids, they'll be outside and they'll be spinning around and they'll just be singing, you know, some frozen song, you know, that's going on and they have no problem just going into it. My daughter used to wake up singing. Who does that? I don't. I, I wake up grumbling, right? I wake up oh, in the morning. Oh, I can't see yet. Get some water in my face. Don't talk to me. I haven't had coffee yet. You know, it's one of, but she would wake up singing. And I can remember one day just thinking, man, I'd like to wake up singing. That'd be wonderful. That's the goal in my life is to wake up singing. You can't just automatically do it. I can't think, okay, yeah, now I'm going to No, I want to wake up just with a song in my heart. But you see, maybe we've lost touch with, with that creativity and the things that we used to enjoy as a child. And maybe God can speak to us once again in some of those ways. And so David's creativity tour is all about engaging God in the things that we do on a regular basis. And we're going to do it to help this church get started. They've got a lot of friends. They know everywhere. Everywhere we went to eat, it was like, hola, hey. They'd hug someone. They'd start having a talk. Oh, where's that guy? Oh, I went to school with him. Oh, I went. I worked with him. They know everybody. And they have all these friends, but getting someone to come to church is not an easy thing. It's not easy here, and it's even harder there because the churches are just different there. They're very legalistic. Very. You have to wear a tie. Nestor went back and visited some family and they found out he was, you know, going to be starting a church. So they bought him a tie because that's what you need if you're going to start a church is the tie. Yeah, don't do the tie thing. And so that's the idea and the environment that they live in. And they're trying to start something new. And I got to tell you that the time I spent with them and talking with them and I got to to sit with them on Sunday morning, they asked me to do their Sunday gathering. And it was there in their home. And it was just six of them and, and myself. And the time that I spent there, I couldn't think of anywhere else I'd rather be at that moment. I was right there. And I mean, I love you guys. I'm glad to be here today. But at that moment, it's like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. If another church that had a thousand people had asked me to go and speak, I wouldn't want to be there. I would want to be with these people because of what they're doing, because there's something exciting taking place within them that I'm excited to see what happens through them. And you see, that's what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, I have food to eat that you don't know about. There, there's something that is satisfying me that you're not seeing right now. And he goes on, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so Jesus is saying there is something that will satisfy us just like food will satisfy us. But it's not actual food. It's actually doing the things that God would have for us. And, and I think what we miss so often is understanding that to have a satisfied life, to have a full life, it's not about you just consuming. It's actually about you giving. It's about you doing. As Paul quotes Jesus and said, as we know, our own Lord has said, it is more blessed to give than to receive do we believe that and do we feel that? Or are we trying to satisfy our lives by consuming? 
And I, I got to tell you, I, I'm so guilty of things like this. I don't have Amazon Prime because if I did, it would be detrimental to our lives. We would not eat food because I would have, I saw this handbag that I really, it's a satchel. It's, it's just so you know. <laughs> that I really liked. And it's this leather one and it's Armani. And it's really, really nice. And I could get it tomorrow. If I had Amazon Prime, they'd probably fly it to me on one of those little things. I mean, it's so easy to get these things. And it's right there. I just, I could spend hours just looking at at different things. And you guys know what that's like. Some of you, it's not on Amazon Prime. It's at Nordstrom's or it's at you know, a sporting goods store or guitar center. I mean, I'll find your weakness, okay? If you give me long enough, I know there's something there that just, man, when you see that, it's like, yes. Or maybe it's food. I don't know. It's something. But we all have these things and we have this desire and we try and fill our lives with things like that. Well, if I can have this or I can have that, and, and we even do it with people. If I could have this person... Why? So that they can make me happy. James tells us in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Do they not come from the evil desires at war within you? When he talks about evil desires, he's not talking about like, oh yeah, murder and bad things. He's talking about selfish desires. You see, the the contention that you have, the conflict that you have is because of a selfish desire that you want. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. And he doesn't mean like you go out and you actually kill someone. He's saying that you will sacrifice the well-being of others just so that you could have it. How many people do you know who have an addiction to drugs, to alcohol, to whatever it is? that will sacrifice their family to feed that desire. I have known families that have lost their entire household, cars, homes, because of gambling. Gambled it all away. Why? Because that desire was there. And it's a selfish desire. And so you, in a sense, kill these things because of what you are wanting. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you do not have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And I think one of the things that we've been trapped in is the idea to to have a full life, to have a life that is complete. I need to get these things in my life. If I can get that education, if I can get that car, if I can get that home, if I could get that girl, if, if I could get whatever it is, that job, then I will have a full life. And it all becomes a consumer mentality. But see, when you get the job, the car, or the girl, you will find that that is not what is going to satisfy you. If you look to another person to satisfy you because you're lonely, you will take your loneliness into that relationship. Something has to change in us so that we can be full. And it's not something that we bring to us. It's something that has to change within us. 
And that's the hard thing for us, I think, many times to understand because we are used to getting. I mean, ever since we were kids, I want that, I want that, I want that. I mean, Christmas time. I can remember Christmas time, just TV. All the things I wanted. I'd see them on TV. Oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. And the idea of that's going to make me happy. And you get the toy, you buy the toys for our kids, and what, three days later, they're broken, you know. It's like, okay, new toy, move on. And, and you're always wanting something else. When the new iPhone comes out, I'm going to be dissatisfied because I'm going to want it. I can tell you right now. Just confessing. I'm bringing it into the light, like Ricky said. But Jesus told us, and he gave us a, a strong and powerful comparison in Matthew chapter 10. In verses 37 to 39, he says, Anyone who loves his, their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And the key word there is more. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. For whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life, loses their life for my sake will find it. And what Jesus is doing is taking the things that are most precious to us, at least to me, my family, my wife and children. You won't find anything on this earth that means more to me than them. So, so what is Jesus saying? He, he's saying you can't put the author of life second and expect to have a more full life. You see, if you're trying to put anything in front of the author of life, you're making life less, not more. And he's giving us a principle here to help us understand that what our lives need, all of us, whether you're religious or not, whether you go to church or not, what your life needs is to be connected to the author of life, because he is the one who gives our lives the proper priority. He's the one who, who brings the satisfaction to us. And, and sitting there in that living room and being there in La Paz and then Vizcaino, I, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. I had myself a little moment going to sleep one night. I was laying there on the floor. There was a bed, sort of, on the floor. And it was really a nice place that I was staying at didn't have doors, but it was a nice place. You know, it wasn't a, a five-star hotel, but it was it was home of my friends. And, and it was the place that I felt more alive than I've felt in a long time. And I couldn't imagine being at a five-star hotel in Hawaii or you named the location any more than I wanted to be there right now. And, and I started thinking of the people who are in my lives, the friends that I have and the people who are dear to me. And I was thinking of just how, how much I love my life and how being here on, on this place where I'm giving of myself and I'm giving of our community to these people, to the pastors there in La Paz and in Vizcaino, I, I was just feeling so full. I was feeling so satisfied. I was feeling whole. You know, and Vizcaino, for those of you who, who know and have been there, it is literally the middle of nowhere. I mean, you get to the border and then you drive halfway down the Baja Peninsula, 12 hours. 
And it's in between the Sea of Cortez and the Pacific Ocean, right in the middle. It's just dirt and farms and farmers. People pretty impoverished, living on just basic things. And Gabe and I stayed in the children's room. I had an air mattress that I blew up and I put, you know, I was comfortable. I had my sheets and my beds, but, you know, it was the children's room. And so while the conference was going on, the kids were in the room and we'd look in and there'd be kids jumping on our beds like, oh, wow, okay, that's happening right now. You know, we'd get up and then shake the dust off the bed and like, okay, this is where I'm sleeping tonight. But, but I got to tell you, this one has one bar. Oh, well, that'll get us through. It better. Yep. That's how they monitor my time speaking. That's it. <laughs> Battery's dead. So I, I got to tell you that just the time there was full and it was rich. And our investment in the lives of others is what brings wholeness to our lives. And maybe you're not even able to go But as you give towards things that help other people, it does something to you. If you could have been there or if you were there and saw the face of Jeannot when I gave him the check for five or ten thousand dollars for Haiti, you you can't buy that. The the gratitude there and seeing that it's making a difference to all those children and to see his response, to see him overwhelmed. We gave over $5,000 towards Mexico last year. We took about almost $3,000 this time in this trip to take care of the food and the things that are there. We're also helping uh, the people who live there at Vizcaino to actually finish their home that's there. And if, if you could understand what it's doing to the lives of other people, it does something to you. And if we want to have a full life, we have to recognize it's not about consuming. It's actually about giving. It's giving of ourselves, not just our money. I'm not here to talk about money. I'm here to talk about all of who we are to the things that God would be giving himself to towards people towards helping others, caring for others. If we would understand that importance, it, it does something to us. And so when the people go out and they you know, take coffee or coats to people who are homeless, it makes them feel good. Why? Because it's in line with what God has designed. It, it's putting him first and then putting others in a position now where I can help them because God cares about them. You know, I, I think about when Jesus fed the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14. His disciples came to him and said, hey, there's a lot of people here and it's far to town. It's getting late. Tell them to go away so that, you know, they can get something to eat. Otherwise, they're going to pass out. They're going to faint on the way. So tell them to leave now. It'd be good for you. It makes sense. And then Jesus says, no, don't tell them to go away. Why don't you give them something to eat? And they're like, us? We barely have enough food here for ourselves. We, we might have a few fish and some loaves. How are we going to do that? And then Jesus has everyone sit down. He blesses the food. And you know the story. He breaks it and it feeds them. And it says in there, 
that his disciples were satisfied and then had more than enough. Sometimes we just think about being satisfied. But Jesus is teaching us that if you will actually give from what you have to others, you will not only be satisfied, but you will have more than enough to help others besides yourself. And I want to challenge us this morning. If you want a life that is complete, if you want a life that is whole, look of a way where you can give of yourself in some way to someone or to something. Find a place where you can connect your life to help the life of someone else in whatever way you want to. And see what it does to you. See, this is why people leave and go into other countries and and serve. This is why people start organizations that dig wells all over the world and find this passion to go out and do this. This is why it is because when you connect to the author of life and you start doing his will, which is giving of yourself to others, you start finding an overwhelming sense of life. You find that there is water rising up in you, living water that overflows, and pretty soon you just feel so full. You might have nothing but you have everything. And you can't imagine your life being anywhere else but sleeping on a mattress on a floor in somebody's house without doors. And you just say, God, thank you that I'm here and I get to experience this. Nowhere I'd rather be. And so I want to challenge us as a community to to give of our lives in some way. I want to send all of you an invitation. We are going to be doing this creativity seminar in March, March 14th. Flight from here to La Paz and back, because you want to fly back as well, is about $300, something like that. I have to stay in a hotel, but... I know Gabe and I stayed at a hotel back in June and we split the the room and it was about 30 something dollars a night for both of us and it was a nice room. I mean it was a good hotel. If you want to be a part of something like that and just be an encouragement to those people or maybe just see what's going on, it, it's amazing what'll happen to you. You'll get excited and pretty soon you're wanting to hey, what's happening in La Paz? Hey, what are we doing in this area? And you know, we're we're making some adjustments and how we're moving forward with our, as a community's, uh, giving. We've been giving towards Vizcaino for the last six years, and we are feeling now that we want to move with intention to, to do some other things closer to the border, where we can go and make trips in just a weekend, and then also in La Paz, where we can help this new work and it's, again, easier to get to, but not only that, it just seems like an area where we want to move forward in. And, and when you connect to something like this, if you get to go to an orphanage and start playing with the kids, it does something to you. And so we are looking to go just into Rosarito, just uh, across the border, sometime in February, probably around the 28th. It's going to be a one-day trip. We're going to go Friday night, spend one night there, and then come back Saturday. Saturday. 
So it'll be easy time-wise for you to maybe take that time and do that. As these things come up, I want you to think about maybe being involved with something like this. Maybe caring about this. You see, the only reason I want to go back to La Paz is because I have friends there. I have people there who I care about. The reason we are going to Vizcaino is because we had friends there. We had people there that we cared about. There is nothing that would make me want to go to Vizcaino except some people who I really love. And even though we might not be going there as a community to do the food like we had in the past, we still love them and still want to be a part of their lives. And the same thing with La Paz. Because we find that in giving of ourselves, we actually get something. You know, if we want to experience the fullness of life and the miraculous things that God can do, that only happens when we're willing to sacrifice our security. You see, the miraculous only happens when you're willing to step into that scary place. That place of, well, I don't know all that's going to happen. Abraham, go to a country. I'll tell you about it later. And he has to go. Every time we see the miraculous taking place, it's in times where it would be very scary to be there. But those are exactly the times that God shows up and we find that he actually fills our life with himself. That the author of life actually gives us more life so that we can love our wives and husbands and children more, so that we can love our neighbors and friends more, so that we can give because it now seems natural to us. And so let's stop being people who consume. And instead, let's be people who are consumed with the love of God and his love for others. If we would do that, we could change the world around us. And I got to tell you, I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just come here and talk and give you guys a talk and give you a Bible study. I don't want to give Bible studies. I want to be a part of the movement, the revolution that Jesus started years ago that started to take over the world. And I want to continue that revolution. I want to be a part of that. I want to rally the troops and say, let's make a difference. Let's leave a mark in our community. Let's leave a mark in the world so that we were a part of God's work, changing the lives of people somewhere, some way, somehow. I, I won't be satisfied if we're not doing that. Anything else? is water that will make me thirst again. But that water, that's the living water. And that's what we need to drink of together. Let's pray. Father, you call us to a life that is beyond our ability. You ask of us things that we cannot do in and of ourselves, that there has to be a reliance and a dependency on you. And Lord, that, that's a difficult thing. Lord, we, we fear, we, we get insecurities, we, Lord, we don't like to have discomfort, and sometimes you lead us to places that would be seemingly uncomfortable. 
But Lord, it's in those places that we find actually an oasis for our souls, the things that we've actually been looking for all our lives. And so, Lord, help us to to be willing to step into those places of faith. Lord, to, to trust you with our lives, with our finances, with our conduct. Lord, that we can live a life that not only quenches our thirst, but will quench the thirst of others. That we can be used by you for your purposes. Lord, I pray that you would use the Genesis community to impact the world around us. Lord, we want to impact not only Mexico, but we want to impact Upland, Rancho, Claremont, the neighboring cities. Lord, give us your heart, your vision, and help us to be hungry for the things that you would have for us that would actually satisfy us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.